It's a Tuesday PFTOT, the program where we talk about some of the things we didn't get to during the show or talk a little bit more about some of the things we did discuss. And since Chris Sims is in Cleveland getting ready to go to Browns practice, an issue that came up as it relates to comments from Coach Freddie Kitchens on Monday about unnamed sources and leaks of information. And if I find out anybody on the coaching staff did that, they'll be fired. You know, Chris, and this is a point that I've made in separate contexts, but let's be real about this. A year ago at this time, were we thinking of Freddie Kitchens as a potential head coach for any NFL team? Would he have been on the list of any guys that should be or could be getting interviews for head coaching jobs? No. He he got into the right place at the right time with Hugh Jackson fired and Todd Haley, the offensive coordinator, also fired. Kitchens became the offensive coordinator, did a great job, and parlayed that into the head coaching job. But is he really ready? You know, we've seen so many guys who it's almost like they're groomed to be head coaches. Freddie Kitchens has kind of been thrust into it. I, I, I think it's fair to ask whether or not he's capable and ready to take a team that has ridiculously high expectations and get the most out of them. Well, I mean, I guess, yes, it's fair to ask, but I'm certainly, I'm not like, you know, uh, what do I want to say, discouraged by these comments that he made. That's not going to make me feel any different. I know, I think you and I maybe differ on this just a little bit. Uh, you know, Freddie Kitchens, we talked about it a little of the show. He comes from that Bruce Arian school of coaching. I mean, yeah, what's in his head, he's going to say it. And he let it be known. He was frustrated, I think, with the Bob Wiley comments. And he's trying, as we talk about a lot, to change a culture that has been crappy for a long, long time. I mean, crappy is nice, really. And, you know, it seems like a lot of guys were allowed to get away with a lot of things, uh, whether it was the Hugh Jackson era or the years before that in Cleveland. And he's just trying to set a precedence that it's not going to be that way. And he doesn't want to hear any more of this crap or leaks or anything like that. Now, going about it and saying it in the media, you know, I don't know. Is that the best way? I don't know. That, you know, certainly up for debate there. But I didn't have a problem with it. Yeah, I, it, it gave me pause and it gave me concern and it underscored these worries that that how is he going to respond when adversity strikes? How is he going to pull that locker room together? Can that locker room get broken apart? Will he be too deferential to Baker Mayfield? It's perceived in some circles that it was Mayfield's lobbying privately that helped Freddie Kitchens get the job. At a minimum, the relationship between Kitchens and Mayfield that helped May, uh, kitchens get the job and you know how do you rein in baker mayfield do, do you let him potentially become bigger than the team is he a guy that can be trusted with that man well, there's just a lot of questions here and the ultimate question is how will this team deal with losses because they aren't going to go 16 and 0 and if they stumble out of the gates and the folks in cleveland think the sky is falling can't freddie kitchens be the guy to stabilize it when things aren't going the way you want that's what we don't know the answer to because he's never had to no. do that. And we've seen many coaches who, when they step into that bigger job, Chris, they just don't have the ability to sell it the way they need to. Well, yeah, yes, you're right. But I, I think he's got charisma. I think he's a real football coach. There's no nonsense, no BS. I think that's why guys like Baker Mayfield like him. And if Baker Mayfield likes him, I can guarantee you that a whole bunch of other guys on the team like him as well as far as the way he presents himself in front of the team and players and everything like that. And, yeah, we don't have much to go for from right now. We don't know. But we do know that he took over last year as the head coach of the Cleveland Browns and they became a lot better instantly. 
I mean, he changed the way they approached the offensive style of football. It was much more successful that way, and they won football games. So, you know, for his first test, okay, or he's had two tests, right, handling the offseason and these personalities he's got on the team. So far, that's been pretty good. You know, I know you're, you see a little crack in the armor with these comments, but the other thing is, what he did at the end of the last year was really his first test, and he took over in a crappy situation, not always easy, and he turned the team around and the vibe of the team totally around. And I think we got to give him credit for that, and I think because of that, he was deserving of being a head coach here in Cleveland. Yeah, I, I, uh, I agree with that. We just need to see what happens when that adversity yeah, strikes if the Browns don't live up to what we all expect them to do. And I think that's one of the reasons why he's been trying – to reel those expectations in so it isn't crippling if they end up two and four or three and five or something that would have been regarded as not bad in past years for the Browns, but very bad this year. It's not good for the Dallas Cowboys to not have running back Ezekiel Elliott. There's been a vibe coming from the organization now that they've gotten their their sea legs regarding this holdout that they'll get a deal done with Ezekiel Elliott. August 6th today is a day that many have been pointing to as the deadline for Ezekiel Elliott to return in order to get another year of credit toward free agency. I've said from the get-go, Chris, this day is irrelevant to, to Ezekiel Elliott because it's not about becoming a free agent. It's about getting a contract. He's still got two more years before he'd even be a free agent anyway. This is about drawing a line in the sand and getting paid, not setting the stage to become a free agent. He wants his money before he's a free agent because running backs get chewed up and spit out before they ever get a chance to get paid on the open market. So I've said all along this date's irrelevant. I stand by it today. I'd be stunned if Ezekiel Elliott says, oh, I better get to camp today because I don't want to lose my year of service toward free agency. No, no chance. And you're 100% right, Mike Florio. I mean, there's, there's no way he's coming to it. Yes, you know, he's, he is. He's drawn the line in the sand. He doesn't give a damn if he's a free agent or not. He's trying to save his body uh, from taking more abuse until he gets paid. And I get that. And this is an underlying problem in the NFL. You know, we, we hit on it a little during the show. But, gosh, young kids out there, why would you want to play running back in the NFL right now? Why? I mean, it's just it's crazy. Oh, go ahead and kill yourself for three or four years. And then when it's time to get paid and get rich, we're going to tell you you're abused and you're damaged goods and we're not going to pay you. And you'll probably be limping, on, limping later in life, too, and have a lot of other physical issues. But don't worry, you had a few years playing in the NFL as a running back. It's BS. The NFL's got to fix it for this situation. It's the, you know, you've heard me say it's the most physical position in all of sports. And, yeah, Zeke Elliott, he's in this for the long haul. And uh, I think eventually he will win out, and the Dallas Cowboys are, are going to pay him what he deserves and what he wants. You know, the, the problem is at the lower levels of the sport, the, the, the kids who show up who are the phenomenal athletes that's like men yes. among boys when they get the ball in their hands, they're the ones who become the running backs because the coaches right. at those levels, it's a lot easier to win games if all you have to do is give the ball to the best athlete and let him go run. You don't have to worry about technique. You don't have to worry about blocking. You don't have to worry about anything because nobody can catch the guy who develops into the running back and that carries into high school, carries into college, and you get all the fame and the notoriety because you're the running back, you're, your name's in the paper, you're the guy they want to interview, right. you're the star of the team. Then you get to the NFL level, and uh, you're almost as fungible as a kicker or a punter. No, there, there's no, there's no doubt about it. Uh, and, you know, added to that, we've seen, you know, 
ex-running backs with all the physical issues they've had to deal with, whether it's Tony Dorsett or Earl Campbell, and the list can continue to go on and on. It's a brutal position, and it's just not fair to some of these guys. It's really not. You know, I, I always bring up Alfred Morris is a perfect example. He's on the Dallas Cowboys roster right now to help out the fact that Ezekiel Elliott's not there, and he, he was a sixth-round pick who was top five in rushing in the NFL his first few years in the NFL. And you know what happened. I mean, he, here he is fighting for his life for the NFL minimum. Never got a big payday. And that's messed up. And I do think there has to be some acknowledgement from this in the NFL to maybe do something to where maybe the running back's salary only counts half of what it's really worth against the cap. Something to help these guys out a little bit because uh, there, there's just – there's too many horror stories and not enough Adrian Peterson type stories where the guy can play for 10 and 11 years at the running back position. He's the outlier because he's one of the greatest freaks of nature we've ever seen in the sport. Yeah, the problem is most of these guys have already given the best that they're ever going to give during those years yeah. where they are getting paid peanuts in comparison to what they would get on a second contract if they can continue to play at a high level, and not many of them can keep that up for five, six, seven, eight years. All right, the, the Cardinals had an interesting situation on Monday, and they had they had a group of receivers come in for tryouts, and Michael Crabtree, who, who has basically gotten no traction this year in free agency to the extent that a lot of people may have even forgotten that he wanted to play, he and a couple of others came in. He won the tryout, and the Cardinals wanted him. And at one point, it looked like they had a deal, and then it all fell apart. And I had actually reported he'd been signed. I was wrong. and uh, but, I, but I still think that something is there. It makes a lot of sense. There's the Texas Tech connection from Crabtree to Coach Cliff Kingsbury. Both guys played at different times under former Texas Tech coach Mike Leach. It would be an easy adaptation of Crabtree to that offense and, and be some great right. stories with a couple of games against Aqib Tlaib, a couple of games against Richard Sherman in that division. I think the book is not closed on this. There's some posturing that's happening now. And I think at some point the Cardinals believed they had a deal. It did fall apart. It's never done until it's signed. And I still think that Crabtree could end up with the Cardinals. And I think that that, that would give that it's just a little extra cachet for an offense that we're not really quite sure how it's going to look this year. No, exactly right. You know, when, when I first heard it that he was working out for the Arizona Cardinals and might sign with them, I thought that makes a lot of sense from the Arizona Cardinals standpoint. Yeah, they got a quarterback who knows the offense. They got to surround some people around him that are not rookies that also know the offense. And Michael Crabtree, you mentioned it, was at Texas Tech. Hey, they, they got Kevin White in free agency this year, Mike, from West Virginia. He was a part of that same offense as well. Uh, and Dana Holgerson, it's the same type of thing, that Mike Leach, Texas Tech, air raid type offense. So uh, they're doing a nice job. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals, in a year where we know they're not going to the playoffs of the Super Bowl, of blending together some veteran players who fit you know, their, their, what they're trying to do schematically in offense and defense, and yet bringing up some young guys along with it to uh, kind of you know, uh, help them along in their careers as well. We'll see how it all goes. But, yeah, I mean, Michael Crabtree – He's not the player he once was, but he's still got phenomenal hands. He's big. He's physical. He can catch back shoulder footballs. Uh, he's a decent route runner. His biggest problem, Mike, is he just can't separate from people anymore. He's no longer going to be a down-the-field threat. He's going to really be a guy that just works the middle of the field, and there's some value in that.
All right, one more very quick one before I let you run to Cleveland or to Berea for the practice today of the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. The, uh, the, the Packers and the Texans had a joint workout on Monday, and a lot of great stories about J.J. Watt riding a bike for the first time like the Packers players do, although Watt apparently broke the bike. But Lonnie Johnson defensive back of the Texans got booted from the practice field. And, you know, this is the thing about joint practices and Packers players are upset with Johnson. One of the realities is if you're a coach, you're only going to do these joint practices with a team where you can trust that the other coach is going to keep his guys in line. And this isn't the first time there's been some scrums when the Texans have practiced against other teams. I I think it's going to be a hard sell to get any joint practices with the Texans uh, when you have this reputation that your guys are going to get a little chippy because you don't want these skirmishes breaking out and somebody getting injured accidentally uh, during one of these fights that's completely unnecessary in training camp and should be avoided, especially during joint practices, Chris. Well, well, yeah, I hear you, and I hear what you're saying about the Texans. I mean, Billy, o- Billy O'Brien is a stand-up guy, and he did the right thing by sending Lonnie Johnson off the practice field into the showers, be done with, because he's not going to stand for that. But, hey, it is football. He t- his team is all about physicality and imposing that physical will on you. So, yeah, there is a little maybe extra chippiness with the Houston Texans as compared to other teams, but I don't look at it more – I look at more like this is a rookie – coming from the University of Kentucky, who just doesn't realize what the NFL is all about. And he's trying to impress his coaches. He's never been through anything like this where, like, what do you mean I can't hit the guy when he's right in front of me? Those rules didn't exist in the SEC or when I was practicing at Kentucky. So I think it's one where the the young guy is learning on the fly a little bit. Billy O'Brien will set him straight. Uh, But, but, um, yeah, I, I don't look at it as anything more like that. I know. What, what other scuffles are we talking about with the Houston Texans? They had the one. Did they have one last year with the New Orleans Saints? Am I missing? I can't well, remember exactly one, what it One was. year, the, Saint, the Saints actually backed out of yeah. uh, joint practices the year the Texans had hard knocks because having those cameras there increased the possibility that, that guys on the Texans are going to get a little chippy. And and what, what Johnson did, he had some big hits in practice, and the fight broke out because he stood over Packers tight end Jay right. Sternberger and flexed, and Sternberger actually was was checked for a concussion. So, you know, the, 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 it's on the coach to enforce that line. There needs to be a clear, bright line there. And uh, if you don't have a team that's got that bright line, Other teams are not going to want to engage in joint practices. All right, uh, no joint practices in Cleveland today. No joints at practice either for you in Cleveland, Chris. Enjoy the day. We'll talk to you later this week. Practice would be better if they had them. I'll tell you that much. (laughs) See you later (laughs) later this week. (laughs) See you. Bye. (laughs) 